This time on episode 453 of Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., we discuss the 2022 film Thor The Love and Thunder and weekly Marvel news, including Bob Iger being back as Disney CEO overnight, Chris Hemsworth's desire for potential Thor 5, and former Disney CEO Bob Chappick hiding Disney Plus's massive monetary losses. Sitko from Capes on the Couch, a show that examines the mental health issues of comic book characters, part of the Guinea Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned, and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other stupendously geeky shows at GuinaGeekNetwork.com. You have been granted clearance by director Alfonso Mac McKenzie. Stand by for a shield debriefing. All information to be discussed here is classified and may only be discussed among agents granted clearance by the S.H.I.E.L.D. director. Now it's time for a scheduled debriefing. I'm Agent Michelle. I'm Agent Chris. And I'm producer of the show, Director S.P. Welcome to Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. We're a Marvel Comic Universe fan show and we discuss the Marvel Cinematic and Marvel Comic Book Universes as told on screen by Marvel Studios. This show is recorded on Saturday, November 26, 2022, live from the Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. studios and broadcast cruise ship wide. Come and join our live chat as we record. And if you didn't already catch on to it, we love talking about Marvel. Because of gifting someone their own spaceship. If you'd like some clues about what kind of spaceship that you should give us, check out our website at legendsofshield.com. If you would like to leave us tips about gifting etiquette, you can leave us a voicemail at 844-THE-BUS-1. That's 844-843-2871. If you want to give a spaceship just to Director SP, we can talk about it all we want on the Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. group on Facebook because he's not there. If you want to confess if you've ever regifted something, you can tag us on Twitter at Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. If somebody already gifted you an amazing spaceship, Make sure you tag us on YouTube at Gunna Geek and show off all those cool little things on your ship. You can join our Discord server and talk all about gifts and spaceships and all of that on our server, gunnageek.com slash Discord. And don't forget that Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is a proud member of the gunnageek.com network. We don't have a spaceship yet. We're hoping you can fix that. Yet is the key word there. Hey everyone, how's it going? Agent Lauren couldn't be with us today. She was something about cleaning out her ears of massive sound damage due to some screaming from some animals. I wasn't sure what happened there. We might get to talk about it later in the show here, but she is not with us today. She sends her regrets. She actually has some notes in the show doc, so we might bring those out as we go along. And today we're starting to get caught up with the MCU. We know that Black Panther Wakanda Forever is out, but we have not given our review yet of Thor Love and Thunder. So we thought we'd take some time and go over Thor Love and Thunder today. And that is what we're going to be doing. So you guys ready to get into it? Sure. I'd love to. All right. Here we go. Thor Love and Thunder premiered way back in July 8th, 
of 2022. That is, let's see, 11 minus seven. So that's four months, four and a half, almost five months ago. The IMDB description reads, Thor enlists the help of Valkyrie, Korg, and ex-girlfriend Jane Foster to fight Gore the God Butcher, who intends to make the gods extinct. Chris, who directed the episode? This one was directed by Taika Waititi. He has 31 directing credits starting all the way back in 2002, including four different series as A Flight of the Concords, the 2014 film What We Do in the Shadows, Team Thor in 2016, Part 2 in 2016 as well, Ragnarok in 2017, some more What We Do in the Shadows, Jojo Rabbit, which I still have to see, an episode of The Mandalorian, and of course, Thor Love and Thunder. And we had a couple of writers for this movie. Like I said, episode before. It's a movie. It really is a movie. This movie has two writers. First up is Taika Waititi who has 28 writing credits starting in 2002, including two episodes of Flight of the Concords, the film What We Do in the Shadows, Jojo Rabbit. He won the 2020 Oscar for Best Adapted Screenplay for Jojo Rabbit. Thor Love and Thunder also has a story credit. One Reservation Dogs, which he created. Reservation Dogs is on Hulu, and it's a great show. And 38 episodes of What We Do in the Shadows. The other writer is Jennifer Caton Robinson, who has five writing credits starting in 2016. Four of Sweet Vicious, and she created that show. Someone Great, I'm Pregnant, Thor Love and Thunder, Do Revenge, and she was a consulting producer on Hawkeye. Well, we'll have to talk about how we think Taika Waititi did in his directing and writing roles as we talk about the extent of the movie. In the meantime, we're going to move on to the cast, at least the cast members that we each wanted to point out. So this is not going to be comprehensive, but it is going to be the cast members that we deem is appropriate to go over. And Michelle, we're going to start with you. Which cast members do you want to talk about? First, I want to talk about Russell Crowe as Zeus. I read that Russell Crowe did a variety of accents. Uh, He actually did the scenes with his regular voice. And once they got that, he changed it again. And once they got that, he did that Greek accent that he did Greek-ish. And that's the one that Taika was like, that's what I want. So the whole accent, that was something that Russell Crowe worked on with Taika. And when Taika was like, that's what I want, that's the feel that I want, that led us to the Zeus that we got and the little, you know, holding the skirt as he walks down and and everything. That is something I think it's interesting to actually get a story about how an actor And a director comes together to form a character. I did run into that story and can confirm exactly what you're saying is that they did film every scene that Russell was in twice, once one way and once another. I have no idea how many takes they did of each, but they did film it twice, one way with the accented Zeus and one way with normal Russell Crowe, I guess. Indeed. And. I have to bring back one of my favorite parts of Ragnarok was the play within the movie. And fortunately, our Asgardian thespians 
survive not only Ragnarok, but they'd survive the blip. We again have Luke Hemsworth as Thor, Matt Damon as Loki, Sam Neill as Odin, and the new addition, Melissa McCarthy as Hela. When, because they're doing the scene where Odin is dying, and before he dips out, he's like, Hey, yo, you got a sister, and she is very powerful, but I'm going to die. And not tell you anything else and outcomes i i'm like who could they get who could they get and they got melissa mccarthy who goes 150 percent into everything and she came on there and stole it with like what four lines and grabbing the prop molnir and just crushing it i laughed i laughed my butt off again when i watched this movie I could just, I could have them. That was brilliant. <laughs> yeah, that Luke Hemsworth was in it was pretty cool. Matt Damon, of course, reprising his role basically from before. Sam Neill, I don't think gets enough credit coming in as Odin, but he did great. But Melissa definitely was, it was fun to watch. This was one that I did a double take. I actually wanted to scribble down some notes as I was watching it. And I was like, no, I got to watch this. This was fun. Chris, did you like that part of it? Yeah, I don't know how she managed to turn it up from her usual amount of energy for this. And, oh, it was just great. And I want to talk about someone who was from the shorts. Daly Pearson graduated from being Daryl, the roommate to Daryl, the tour guide in New Asgard. I think that is a great Call back to those of us who have watched the shorts and we know that joke without interrupting because we have this whole sequence of news Asgard being a tourist attraction in order to, hey, you got to, in order to run a city on earth, you need capital. And this is one of the ways to do it. And just having him be a tour guide, you can have anybody in there be a tour guide, but having it be Daryl was really a nice nod to all of the shorts that we got with Daryl and Thor. You mentioned the shorts a couple of times. Why don't you describe them a little bit? Because I don't think we've ever talked about them on this cast before. Well, when Thor is stuck on Earth and everyone else is like doing space stuff and spy stuff or whatever, Thor is just hanging around and he needs some place to live so he gets an apartment but he of course doesn't understand how earth money works and he ends up having a flatmate with, who is daryl and daryl's just like yes thor almighty he puts this hammer wherever and i can't pick it up and so i can't clean up and he's constantly trying to clean up after thor and explain how to be a roommate to thor which of course goes over his head they're all on disney plus which is amazing so you can go there and you can watch all of them it's a nice quick delight all right chris who did you want to talk about the main person i want to highlight here is christian bale as gore so i came into this kind of knowing that he was in the movie i'd forgotten who he was and the second we saw him, 
I kind of looked over at Kaylee and, hey, is that Christian Bale? And for once, she didn't look somebody up during the movie. And I was amazed. I was really hoping. Well, first of all, I was just hoping to amaze her with my amazing recognizing actor skills. But she didn't look it up. She spent the whole movie kind of wondering if it was him, which I think is a great thing for him because we've seen him so much in Batman. We've seen him in so many other iconic roles and just letting this character be the focus of everything instead of, Hey, this is Christian Bale be the focus of everything. I think was just a really good take on the character and let us focus on just this tragic story of gore instead of, Oh, Hey, it's Batman. Yeah, I'm not the hugest Christian Bale fan out there. Matter of fact, I don't like him at all. But that's besides the point. He did adequate performances for the role. We'll talk more about his character in here and how I had personal issues with it. It doesn't mean anything about the movie, but I had personal issues with the arc and the character and stuff like that. But, I mean, who are you going to get to play Gore? I mean, basically, Gore's a big dick throughout this entire film and you need somebody to play it so I don't know, probably pretty good michelle what do you think about the performance i like that he was a supporting character i think someone like christian bale excels because he gets to focus on those specific scenes and he doesn't have to do a lot of he can sort of let go of, I don't have to carry this movie. Like when he was Batman, he has that extra pressure of, I'm an iconic character. I have to carry the film. In this case, he got to be the antagonist, the villain, and he could let himself go in a way that we haven't seen in a while. Because also he didn't have to do like this big physical transformation, which he's done for another role in that people always talk about that so i just like how people was like oh yeah christian bale was in this and we got to see him as an actor without all of those layers of drama that we're used to fair enough i wanted to talk about a couple of actors here first of all is jamie alexander she's been with the mcu since the original thor as sif she was also in at least one episode i think only one episode of agents of shield and then she's been reprising her role a little bit here and a little bit there. She did find other work. She had a main series on TV for a while. But I still want and maybe it's the arc that Marvel took with Thor, but she is a bigger character in the entirety than she was given. And she's an incredible actor. And I just wish that we would have seen more of her as time went on. And then she just gets these little spot parts here and there got a little bit more work in this role here but i think she could have been better and the way the thor arc went is we meet jamie and the warriors three in the original thor but then his love interest completely changes it was kind of a flirting love interest to begin with with sif but then it changes to jane foster and then they didn't want to go have to go back to that and everything. So I understand that. But I think Jamie could have gotten more out of this entire arc of Thor than she did. She did great for what she got. The other actor that I wanted to point out had, I don't know, maybe five seconds of work at the end of the show. It's in the post credit scene. 
Brett Goldstein comes in as Hercules. I just want to point out Brett because for those that don't know Hercules or Brett, actually, and he's going to be a bigger role as we go forward. If you watch Ted Lasso, you will get everything that you need to know about Brett Goldstein's acting ability. He's actually pretty cool. So for those that don't know anything about the new Hercules, go check out Ted Lasso. It's on Apple TV+. It's a great series, but Brett's one of the main actors in it, and he does amazingly in it. All right, so we've been flirting around the what happened in the actual show here. We have a Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. exclusive. Yep, this is the only place you're going to get it. It is our take on what happened in the movie. You guys ready to get into the synopsis? Yes. Let's bring the thunder. We begin with Gore and his daughter walking into the desert. Gore prays for Rapu to save them. The daughter dies. Voices lead Gore to an oasis. Rapu laughs at his last disciple, and Rapu says that he'll get more followers. Gore renounces Rapu, and the god-killing sword finds a new owner. Gore vows that all gods will die. Cork tells Thor's story from childhood through his many lovers, his time with Jane, the destruction of Asgard, the time with Thanos, and losing Loki at least three different times. Thor ends up with the Guardians of the Galaxy. Thor enters the battle, takes care of the enemies, and destroys a sacred temple. Guns and Roses count one. Korg narration count one. Meanwhile, back on Earth, Jane explains space and time while getting treatment for stage four cancer. That's four out of four. Jane tries to science the bleep out of cancer, but it's not working, so she goes to New Asgard, which has become a tourist destination. Guns and Roses count. Two. The Asgardian thespians have survived Ragnarok and the blip. They tell the story of Odin dying and Loki and Thor meeting their sister. The production has great effects and is loved by all. Daryl has graduated from being Thor's roommate to being a tour guide. Jane stands next to Mjolnir and the hammer begins to react. Meanwhile, Thor gets the gifts of goats and learns about the death of many gods. Stormbreaker takes Korg, Thor, and the goats to Sif. Sif learns that she can't get into Valhalla unless she dies in battle. Gore arrives in New Asgard and sends creatures to attack. Thor arrives in time to help Valkyrie. Thor sees Meow Meow take care of many of the creatures. Thor reaches for the hammer, but it goes to its new owner, Jane Foster, a.k.a. Mighty Thor. Time for Korg to tell us the love story of Thor and Jane. We learn that Thor told Meow Meow to protect Jane. Korg narration count two. Gore and Thor fight. When Jane and Valkyrie show up, Gore disappears into the shadows and has his creatures take the children. Thor and Jane uncomfortably discuss their breakup. Thor tries to get Mjolnir back, but Stormbreaker shows up jealous, as current weapons are wont to do. Thor describes the... Necrosword and how it curses the wielder, Astrid, no, Axel, contacts Thor, who teaches Axel, Hamdel's son, how to use vision. Valkyrie commandeers the tourist boat and uses the goats and Stormbreaker to get them into the ultimate god hangout. Jane workshops catchphrases. Valkyrie gets the team disguises so they can get into Zeus's party while 
Thor pleads his case for an army and angers Zeus, who flicks too hard. Zeus suggests Thor stay and drink wine. We learn about eternity, a powerful being who will grant the wish of the first person who shows up. Zeus demands the team stay so that they get to do Valkyrie's plan of rushing Zeus's bum. After Zeus shatters Korg, Thor uses Thunderbolt to kill Zeus. Korg calls in the goats. They take Thunderbolt and escape. Guns and Roses count three. After life advice and confessions, the team make it to the Shadow Realm, but the kids aren't there. Jane figures out that the Bifrost is the key to eternity, so she throws Stormbreaker into space. Because the God Butcher threatens Jane and Valkyrie's life, Thor calls Stormbreaker. Thor and Gore fight. Jane and Valkyrie fight the monsters. Even the goats join the fray. Gore stabs Valkyrie with Thunderbolt. Gore grabs Stormbreaker as the Bifrost sends the team home. Thor uses Thunderbolt to go alone to eternity. Thor has the kids arm themselves, and he gives them the power of Thor. Temporarily. The kids are awesome. Of course, the best weapon is the girl's bunny. Thor and Gore fight. Guns and Roses count. Four. Jane and Mjolnir sense Thor's in trouble, so the mighty Thor comes in riding Valkyrie's mount. Jane fights Gore. Thor tries to reason with Stormbreaker. Thor gets Stormbreaker back and tosses it to Axel so the kids can get back home. Jane traps the shattered bits of the Necroblade into Mjolnir and uses the last of her strength to destroy the blade. The door to eternity is open. Thor convinces Gore to choose love. Jane dies in Thor's arms and Gore brings his daughter back. Korg tells us the ending. The mighty Thor is a legend. The kids are safe and being trained as warriors. And Thor is now Dad God, who's teaching his girl born from eternity how to fight. She wields Stormbreaker, and Thor goes into battle with a decorated Mjolnir. They are known as Love and Thunder. Korg narration count three, Guns and Roses count five. In the mid credit scene, Zeus is not dead and tells Hercules to go after Thor. And in the after credit scene, Heimdall welcomes Jane to Valhalla. She's instantly the coolest person there. And that's everything you need to know about what happened in 2022's Thor Love and Thunder. Michelle, overall thoughts? Michelle is telling us her first impressions because, as we have learned, we have to narrate what is being shown on screen. This one was really fun. It was a bit all over the place but I kind of enjoyed how it was a bit all over the place. So for me, it was really enjoyable. I'll tell you about it later. The lack of Loki, the minimal use of Darcy, those damn goats, and the loss of direction of Thor impacted the stature of Thor in the MCU and fans' enjoyment of the movie, including mine. All right, let's start talking about Thor and how Thor's character was in the movie. Michelle, what do you think there? I, perhaps it's because without Loki, we see Thor shallow again. I was enjoying Thor's arc, especially when it came to Endgame and Infinity War. Thor thought, you know, he had it. He, but then he goes into a depression because of not being able to kill Thanos. And then 
learning that he's still worthy, even though he has, quote unquote, the dad bod being overweight, but he's still worthy and still able to now get things done. But in this film, he's full of himself again. It felt a little bit like first movie Thor. It was just so self-indulgent. And I feel that's where Taika comes in because there was so much core and Taika, where Taika is the voice of Korg. It just felt like Taika, I mean, this actually is called a Taika Waititi film at the end. And it just feels like because he was self-indulgent and he also wrote the movie, he made Thor a bit self-indulgent. And I think that just soured me a bit on Thor's overall arc. To date, this is the only named major MCU character that has had four named films. Of course, you've had characters in more than that, namely Captain America and Iron Man, right? But this is the only one that has four films with Thor in the title. And I got a little concern where we didn't have character progression. Yes, the story has progressed, but the character himself has not progressed turns into a little bit more juvenile i guess is for the lack of a better term lost because everybody that he's known around him has been lost but i thought we came to terms with that before and now we're still dealing with it we're still dealing with the aftermath he's with the guardians of the galaxy trying to get therapy and then the guardians of the galaxy Maybe there was more film, but I think they were diminished a lot in this film rather than being main characters on their own. Yes, they were main characters in another person's movie, so they're basically doing a cameo here, but they're needed to bring the beginning of the film forward. You know, normally Thor would be enough to start the movie, but they need all these other characters just to be around him, right? Is Thor enough? To is Chris Hemsworth's Thor enough to have a movie surrounding him, or does he always need to be surrounded by other characters? Is it the universe of Thor and Asgard that really works with Thor, or is it Thor? Should Thor be the main character? I don't know, Chris. What do you think about all this? I don't know. Like, Thor, I think the progression here is a lot more subtle. I know because of him going out with the Guardians of the Galaxy, you kind of need to at least mention them. So having them in there at the beginning, I'm not a... I'm not going to have a big problem with that. But what, what I really liked here about this depiction of Thor is I know when I get out of my depressive episodes... I go into a lot of kind of regressing and then having to work my way back to the better person that I was. So this is just me seeing Thor as this is still progress for him, even though it's not progress past the further he's been, it's progress past where he fell back to. And that's something I can really appreciate. But he destroys a sacred temple i understand i understand that i I do i appreciate you bringing that up because as i am i'm 
I'm not sure I talk about having a mental illness and how you have the waves and sometimes you fall back before you can go forward. So thank you for bringing that up, Chris. Part of the regression I could live with, like the self-importance, the fact that he gave Star-Lord back his own ship. I gift you this ship that is yours. And then mind some of the haughty, because I love Thor when he's with Sif and the Warriors 3. I like Thor when he was with everyone. I think he is someone that needs people to play off of. I think that's the type of main actor that Chris Hemsworth is. He, he needs people to play off of. He got Jeff Goldblum to play off of in Ragnarok. And let's face it, Jeff Goldblum was just chef's kiss in Ragnarok. But the fact that he was completely unaware of how important certain things are, like the sacred temple, I was okay with him kind of coming in late and let me in this stance. Like, I need to be the hero. I got that. But then he destroyed a sacred temple and was like, oh, well. That's the part I think went into the self-indulgent part. You guys mentioned about three things that I wanted to talk about. First of all was Taika Waititi and his influence on the film. I also wanted to talk about the, I won't call them cameos, but their appearances. I, I want to talk about the appearances that weren't, and that stems into the editing of the film. So let's talk about Taika Waititi. And the two biggest things about this film that are Taika Waititi-esque are the damn screaming goats. And I say damn screaming goats because they annoyed the crap out of me. They annoyed me from the first time I saw them and it didn't get any better. And we saw them at least five or six times. Yes, they were instrumental in the plot because without the goats, you don't get the escape from the God place and you don't get thing, other things that happen in the film. The other thing I don't care about, I actually enjoy, but he is divisive. Korg himself. Korg is either you love them or you hate them. And I guess the goats are the same way. But if both of them, if you're a viewer of the film and you don't like Korg and you don't like the goats, then this film really starts to grate on you pretty fast. And those are signature Taika Waititi things. And Michelle, you pointed it out. He actually plays Korg. He is Korg. So you're going to get Korg in these films. So I don't know how you guys felt about the goats and Korg, but they are definitely Taika Waititi's influence. I love the goats. Okay. The goats, I ended up tuning out the second time I watched this because I knew they were annoying. I don't like them either, but I took them with a huge grain of salt because they did become active in that one fight. So I thought that was interesting. Korg narrating the reason why I, I was just like, he narrates three parts of the movie. Did he really need to narrate them? Especially since like throughout the movie, he gets people's names wrong. Is one of the running jokes. Like he calls Jane Foster, like Jodie Foster. And he misdoes things. So if you've got a character who isn't able to remember the names of things. And then when he tells the story, it's kind of wrong as when we see on screen so you're telling us a story and you don't know all the parts but then the parts that actually happen are 
there. Like I actually would have preferred to have heard some of the conversations between Thor and Jane, because I thought they brought up something interesting about how you ended this. No, you ended this. You left me a note. Well, I could have told, I couldn't tell you in person because you've been gone for five weeks doing space stuff. It would have been interesting to have heard some of those things because Thor talks about how he feels empty. And I understand like when you've gone through a lot of emotional stuff, you close off your heart and you maybe you don't feel things. He actually knows how many years, dates and months that they've been apart. Being told how much they were in love is not the same as actually getting to hear it and really see it. And that it's just. See, I really liked Cork and his narration, though. The fact that he got the names wrong, but got them wrong with people who aren't even in the movies, I just think was a fun little joke. And okay, you know, he, he calls her Jane Fonda and Jodie Foster. Nah, you know, it, it's just a funny little thing. I like that he doesn't know the entire story because who would know the entire story but the two people that are in it? And honestly, I think a lot of the narration from him is a nice little catch up from people who didn't have the ability or desire to go back and watch all the other Thor movies and everything else Thor has been in to possibly be ready for this one because they brought you up to speed on basically everything you need to know without having a giant previously on at the beginning of a movie. I'd like to say that Korg brought the heart to the movie, but I think that would be severely mischaracterizing it, I, I guess. I did like, there's a couple scenes in there with Korg that I really liked. There was the, the scene where they were in the Asgard town hall, forget what it's called, but they were there and Korg standing next to Thor and Thor's trying to rekindle his relationship with his hammer. Right? He's like, come here, little buddy. Come here, come here. And Korg's like, what are you doing, man? Hey, what's, what's going on? You know, Korg fully understands what Thor is trying to do. And he's like, no, that's not your weapon anymore. That's, that's Jane's. That's not yours. You got Stormbreaker. You know, just leave it alone. So that was pretty cool. All right. Then the other thing that I want to talk about is all of the dropped appearances. You mentioned Jeff Goldblum before. He was supposed to be in this movie. He did have scenes that were filmed for the movie, as were a couple of others, like Peter Dinklage. Remember, back to Thor Ragnarok, Peter Dinklage was actually at the World Forge, so he was supposed to be in there, as well as there was apparently, I don't know how it shook out, but there was a lawsuit that Lena Headley, who had filmed scenes for the movie, but was not in it, so therefore she did not get paid, but her agency sued her for their cut basically saying yeah you were still there you still filmed we we got you the part we signed the contracts where's our money we need the money for this so that is how those three and i think there was one or two more but i did dig up stories that basically confirmed multiple times about peter dinklage jeff goldblum and then lita henley the film as Taika Waititi delivered it was four hours long. We got a two-hour film, so they cut out two hours. It's kind of like the Zack Snyder cut of Justice League, that the bots basically forced Warner Brothers to release the uh, Snyder cut, right? Well, there was a similar campaign. I didn't realize it because I wasn't 
paying too much attention at the time. There was a campaign to get Marvel to release the Taika Waititi cut. And Taika Waititi himself and Marvel said, no, it's never going to happen. This is the movie, and this is what you're going to have to live with. They might bring out some of the deleted scenes later on so we could see some of this stuff. But no, we're never going to get a four-hour Thor Love and Thunder movie. The, the film is just not... It, it did okay, but it didn't do that great. So we're just never going to get to see it. Anyway, do you guys remember any other appearances that were supposed to be in this film and that were filmed that it was cut out in the final cut? All I know is that apparently there was supposed to be more Mighty Thor and I heard there was supposed to be more Valkyrie. I would have preferred Drunk Valkyrie giving us the narration because I love Valkyrie. I think she's a lot more of an important character than Korg. That's another thing. You know, food chain wise, Taika, Valkyrie, here, Korg, you're made of rocks, so closer to the ground. I, that's what I heard. And their relationship, which we only got like five minutes of, made me want the Valkyrie Mighty Thor film instead of what we got. I would have liked to have had because in the comics, Mighty Thor has a more of an arc. There's a bigger part of it in here. This goes to the whole ensemble part of Thor, where he could have had more interaction with Mighty Thor and Valkyrie. That's what I heard, that there was supposed to be more of that. I know there's calls from a few of the actors not necessarily a Mighty Thor Valkyrie, but a Sif Valkyrie series or side movie or something like that. That's where the actors wanted to go, but I could definitely see Mighty Thor and Valkyrie. The problem is Mighty Thor is dead at the end of the film. So unless you bring her back, which is possible, this is MCU comics and kind of how Valhalla works anyway. It's possible, but I just don't think we're going to get it. A Sif series. I'm on board with that. Yeah, that's what I was saying. From the get-go, Jamie Alexander deserves it. Sif prequel series, and then everybody can still be alive. And she still has her arm. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry. My, my mind flashed to, as we were recording this, the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special came out, and I just had a flashback to that when you said the thing about the arm. So we'll talk about that at a later date. Let's move on to something a little better, right? Jane Foster's catchphrases is a running joke throughout the entire thing. I mean, if you're a superhero, you got to have a catchphrase, right? I mean, it's just what you do. She's such a giant doofus, and I love it. She's just leaning into it, right? She's like, okay, what do I know about superheroes that are supposed to do? Because I don't think she ever really desired to be a superhero. She just knew that the hammer could help her with her cancer, which is an incredibly depressing thing here in the film. but. She's trying to science her way out of it, as one of you put it in the show notes. And she gets to the point where, well, the hammer has these magical capabilities that it can help me. So she goes to see the hammer and the hammer's like, "Ooh, Jane, you need help. I can help you sort of thing. And it, it basically it's been shattered, right? It's in pieces and it comes back together specifically to help her because his buddy Thor tells him I or, or it. I don't know. If, does a hammer have a gender? I don't know. I think it depends on what language we're using. Okay. 
Thor tells the hammer to look after Jane and the hammer is like, I need to look after Jane right now. So the hammer comes back together for Jane and then creates mighty Thor out of it. Jane was never looking for it. She just wanted to cure cancer. But I thought it was great. Here comes the hammer. And Thor's like, buddy. And the hammer goes away. He's like, what's going on? Okay. Get the jigs up. The problem is you have to be worthy in order to hold the hammer. Right? So Thor, it's kind of a love-hate relationship. Like Thor's got to trust the hammer because you have to be worthy in order to hold the hammer, right? So anybody that's worthy to hold the hammer should be somebody that Thor could get along with, in my opinion, right? And he's just narcissistic enough to just want the hammer all his and not share it at all. Even though we already know that other people, at this point in the MCU, that other people can lift the hammer. Steve Rogers, for instance. So... That was a point there, but that's one of the issues that I had personally with the movie. And this is how movies can strike you the wrong way, no matter how good they are. I just have a a personal relationship with cancer that just pisses me off. And the, the fact that they brought this up and all credit to our former co-host, Neil, over on the Starling Tribune, he got me to read the Mighty Thor comics and I knew this was a storyline of Jane Foster anyway. So I, I just knew it going in and I watched it and it just, it just, just pissed me off. I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that they're doing this in an MCU film. But this is part of life, right? You should be able to deal with it. It's just, that was something that soured me on the film to begin with. And then the way this cold opened, it was, ugh, it, the entire like one hour, 50 minutes through the first time that I watched the film, I was like, oh, this, uh, I can't, I hate gore. I hate what they did with his daughter. I mean, I can't believe this is a Marvel film. I just, this just, is just pissing me off. And then you get to the end, you're like, oh, okay, I see what they did. But it pissed me off for the entire almost two hours of the film, the way they cold opened it. And then with Jane's cancer, again, it's just me, but I had an issue with this film the first time I watched it. And honestly, we watched it when it first came out on Disney Plus, at least I did. And then I didn't watch it again until right before now. And one of the reasons were those two issues, which just hit me the wrong way. Probably didn't hit anybody else the wrong way that way, but that's just my personal issue that I had with this movie starting out. I don't know. What do you guys think of either the, the cancer or the cold opening, Chris? Jane Foster with the cancer, I was relatively cool with. I hadn't read the Mighty Thor comics, so I came into this one about as blind as you could to a fourth-named character movie like you are with Thor. I also really did not like the cold open, but I think it was a bit of a different reason for me. I had no idea who Gore was, and like I'm supposed to feel sorry for him at the beginning of this, but why? Because I don't know who he is. I'm not going to just feel sorry for some random person like yeah his daughter dying is sad but like if it's a villain and their daughter died i don't care and then he turns out being a villain so i really don't care okay cool you're you're an evil person who's gonna go go around killing all the gods and your daughter died i guess that might make me a horrible person in some people's eyes but yeah your your daughter died you you're probably deserve it because you're an evil person and then at the end, they make me feel sorry for him, but I spent the entire rest of the movie not caring. So congratulations on getting me to care at the end, but why couldn't you make me care at the beginning somehow? I would like to point out that the daughter doesn't have a proper name. 
We do not learn it. And at the end of the movie, she's a being from who has the powers of a god who just called love. So I'd like to point this out. I also would have liked that if Christian Bale died and she lived and she would have been like, hello, my name is whatever my name is. You're a god. You helped kill my father. Prepare to die. (laughs) Oh, I'm glad you went that way because I was thinking Slim Shady. (laughs) At the end, both times that I've watched it, because I've only watched it twice. At the end, both times I'm like, oh, 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 yeah. And I knew going in the second time what happened. But definitely by the time I got to the end, I'm like, okay. And maybe this age is better the more that you see it, the more that you know about it than just the first time around, at least for me personally. Again, it's terrible for me to do this on a podcast, but yeah, personally, this whole thing was what... And yeah, Gore, I had the same problem, Chris. It's like, who who is this guy? I have no idea. It's like the second Thor movie. I was like, who are dark elves? I just, I had no background in dark elves. So I'm like, okay, show me a little bit, right? Explain it to me like I'm five, basically. Tell me why dark elves are bad other than the coloration and the fact that you have ominous music around. Tell me why. Why are they so bad? Why are they so shady? Why are they so scary? And I just don't think that they gave us anything about Gore other than he was literally the last of an entire civilization. I think that's basically what they told us. And then the gods could care less. With Gore, it's so simple to fix. You take a two-minute montage... You don't even have to give them any dialogue. Just have them talk and not record it so you see their mouth moving and throw some music on top of it and you just see them worshipping their god and Gore being a good father to his daughter who I just... Why doesn't she have a name? That's weird. Why haven't I thought about that before? And I get the vindictiveness. I get the I'm going to take you... I mean, if you kill my daughter, I'm going to be really angry at you too. So I get that, but it's like Okay, so this happens all over the universe. Thanos basically showed it to us already. Why do I care? (sighs) So many issues with this movie. At the end, we do get Heimdall back. He's in Valhalla, but we get Heimdall back. That was pretty cool. Yeah. And and anybody who knows their Norse mythology, if you're in Valhalla, you can come back. It's real easy. You don't even have to comic book logic it. I did enjoy the battle on Indigar. That was the battle with the Guardians of the Galaxy. It was just fun, campy battle, you know, typical Marvel superheroes coming in to save the day where terrible things actually happen. I don't think if anybody else would have come in, if Miss Marvel would have come in, it would have probably been the same thing. Oops, we something else goes wrong in trying to fix it. <laughs> but he had that epic Van Damme moment, right? <laughs> where he's shoving the two... I don't know what to call it, hover battle tanks or whatever against each other. And, and, uh, <laughs> Star Lord's like, oh my gosh, really, dude? Really? So I don't know. I, I would hope the two of them would have had some good times on set because it looked like it was fun for them to actually make their scenes together and everything. But yeah. All right. Uh, let's see. One thing that we didn't discuss, we have discussed it on the podcast before Michelle, but that epic iconic comic book mountain scene where Korg and Thor end up on the mountaintop of the movie of the, uh, of the planet they go. I think it was for Sif. 
that was actually a comic book panel, right, Chris? Yeah, it was. And I'm feeling horrible now because I can't remember the artist, even though that was such a big deal before that they just ripped it straight off the comic pages. Yeah, so I'll put a link to that in the show notes. I remember us talking about it before, way back in July. It was basically a ripped from a comic book page scene in there. Well, Chris, what else you got? I just really loved this movie, despite the issues with it. I feel like the main thing for me is, are we not going to get Thor adventures with Guardians of the Galaxy now? Like, I want to see those. I want to see all of that silliness in there. And now it's going to have to be a prequel movie. Yeah, I don't think we're going to get that. I think they're skipping over a lot of stuff as they go along, and, and that's part of it. We got it in a montage. I think that was it. Hate to burst your bubble, buddy. You can't always get what you want with these things, and that's part of the joy of it, is being able to be surprised at what actually shows up. You know, in an interview around this, Kevin Feige said something to the effect of there is so much story to tell with Thor. We have all these comic books on Thor that there definitely is more story to tell. So he's setting the stage for a Thor 5, but I don't know what direction they're going to go into it. And I don't know how much longer Chris Hemsworth wants to play Thor. He's had a couple of interviews. We'll talk about it later. But one of the things to remember about Chris Hemsworth is he has been told that he has a genetic disposition to Alzheimer's disease. And he has said that he wants to step back from acting to spend more time with his kids, which is one of the reasons his daughter was in this film as love. That was the whole casting reason there. Michelle, what else you got about the movie? My brain broke. When they go into Zeus's party, we meet Bao as the god of dumplings. Bao is a Pixar short. Disney owns Pixar. Spider-Man referenced Star Wars. Disney owns Star Wars. Disney owns Marvel. This is a Marvel film. Does Marvel worship itself in the MCU? I think so. I mean, I think there's been Marvel comic books in the MCU already, right? I know there were some in Logan. Uh, maybe, yeah. Which eventually, technically, will be the MCU, because Deadpool 3, right? I know if they end up pulling Fantastic Four stuff into here, then there are, at least in the comics, Fantastic Four comics. Okay. And then my other point was, gods get power from worshippers, but why is this so powerful? And the only thing I can think of is that because in high school and college we read greek myths so i guess our homework is enough to keep zeus powerful <laughs> at least here on this planet there's other planets that probably worship him too right so i guess he would hope so <laughs> yeah. uh good thing i didn't do that homework okay <laughs> well talking about zeus his thunderbolt I don't know. Was it just me or did that look entirely fake as a weapon? I mean, it just looked like one of those things that you get at a football stadium or a circus or something you take into the stands. That's what it looked like to me. It was fun, though. Like, this whole thing was cheesy fun, and I loved it. And I just saw that as a conduit for the actual lightning. Just here's his focus object, and 
he didn't really need it exactly, but he needed something. And that's what he chose to represent a physical form of his lightning that he was throwing out. Okay. Well, I dug up some box office numbers from Thor Love and Thunder, and it's been out for about five months now. So I think it's fair to talk about it in its place in not only the MCU, but 2022. So let's start talking about the 2022 worldwide box office. Believe it or not, it's sixth this year. Does that surprise either of you? Well, there hasn't been a lot of movies that come out. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. We're still coming out of the pandemic. I don't think movies are being attended as they were pre-pandemic. So actually, I think six is pretty good. On a normal year, though, and I think this will tie into one of our news points, I think you would have expected more out of this. And I think they got out of it what they got. They got more out of it than they spent making it. I don't know if they got more out of it than they spent making it in the promotion. But it was sixth so far with a worldwide box office with $760 million. Right above it is the Batman at $770 million. And above that, Minions is just shy of a billion at $937 million. This is worldwide, by the way. This is not domestic. Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness is number three, coming in at $955 million. Number two, Chris Pratt in Jurassic World Dominion at $1.0 billion worldwide. And Michelle, take a guess at number one. Top Gun Maverick. Top Gun Maverick at one point, we'll just round up, $1.5 billion worldwide. So at $760 million, I think it's still pretty good. Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, I think eventually will uptake it. Right now it's sitting at $580 million, but after this weekend, it's probably going to be above that line. I heard somewhere that it was like $70 million already for the weekend, so you've got that. Underneath that is Fantastic Beast, Black Adam is coming in at number 12 at 369 million. I guess I guess I skipped number 11 is Uncharted, which is at 401 million dollars and Uncharted of course is important because you have Tom Holland in there. Lightyear and this is I think a ode to the pandemic. Lightyear only came in at 226.4 million dollars. That's pretty low for a Pixar film. Not taking the kids to the movies. That's right. But this doesn't account for the subscriptions of Disney Plus that might have only been there to see the movie. I don't know. I would think that if you are a household that would go to see Lightyear, you'd have both the subscription and you'd go take the kids to see the movie. But I don't know. Anyway, Thor Love and Thunder, the focus of this podcast, came in so far in 2022 at number six at 760 million dollars now you guys want to talk about the mcu proper i also dug up those numbers and if you take a look at the entirety of the mcu to date there is uh 20 some odd movies i didn't count them but i know thor love and thunder is number 16 which kind of surprised me i thought it would be lower than that but it's coming in at 700 and $45 million on this list. This is from thenumbers.com. The other one was from thebossoffice.com. So the numbers might be slightly different. 
But Thor Love and Thunder is number 16. And then right above it is Guardians of the Galaxy. Notably enough, right underneath this is Captain America, the Winter Soldier, coming in at 17 at $714 million. I did not realize that it was so low. So the list goes, and I'll just skip over the numbers themselves, but Avengers Endgame is number one, Avengers Infinity War, number two, Spider-Man No Way Home, number three, The Avengers, number four, The Avengers Age of Ultron, number five, number six, Black Panther, the original one, number seven, Iron Man 3, number eight, Captain America Civil War, number nine, Spider-Man Far From Home, number 10, Captain Marvel, number 11, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, number 12, Spider-Man Homecoming, Number 13, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, 14, Thor Ragnarok, 15, Guardians of the Galaxy, 16, Thor Love and Thunder. And it ranges from $2.8 billion down to the $750 million range right there. Uh, I think Black Panther Wakanda Forever will, of course, drive that up a little bit, or drive itself up and then drive Thor Love and Thunder down. I don't know. According to this, that's not too shabby for where Thor Love and Thunder was considering we're at the tail end of the pandemic and it's not really considered I don't think any of us would consider it that great of a movie so I don't know what do you guys think about its placement there at number 16 are these numbers adjusted for inflation I don't think so that was my first thought too I'm glad you brought that up because Captain America Winter Soldier came out what 10 years ago so I think if you adjust that for inflation, because when you adjust things for inflation, I think Gone with the Wind is still the top. Everyone thinks it's like Avatar everything. When you adjust everything for inflation, Gone with the Wind is either one, two, or three. And I think that's something that people like overlook. And when you compare, like people talk about the Miami Dolphins being undefeated. Well, they played 12 games. There's now 18 games in the NFL. So is that still fair? I mean, oh, we had an undefeated season. Well, we only played 12 games and now you got to play six more. (laughs) Ha ha on you. (laughs) I love that. I don't think I've ever heard that analogy when it came to the box office stuff. That's uh, that's excellent. I don't know if you just thought that up on your own. You got that from somewhere, but I'll give you all the credit, Michelle. I just thought about this. Well, it's so true, right? Because they pop the cork and have their champagne every time that somebody else doesn't have a perfect season. And they just had it when the Philadelphia Eagles lost a couple of weeks ago this year in 2022. Uh, Yeah. Adjusting for inflation is a big thing for me because like Back to the Future, you know, where would that be today adjusted for inflation? Where would Star Wars be adjusted for inflation? Because those had extensive runs in the theater, right? So, yeah. Chris, I know you're a huge box office guy, numbers guy yourself. What do you think? It's interesting. I think the way everything shakes out here, um, I have to think that they weren't adjusted for inflation. I mean, 10 years you think is not really that long, but it kind of is. It's definitely enough to matter. And just looking at all of this, I mean, you're also looking at people just aren't going to the movies as much right now so what does that do with everything 
how accurate is them catching people watching it on Disney Plus? Are they even accounting for that at all? Like, we didn't watch it till Disney Plus the other day. So we're definitely not being counted in going to the theater numbers, but do we even count? And I know a bunch of people who have been like that. So I was thinking about it. If it wasn't for this podcast, I wouldn't be going to see Black Panther in the theater. I would just wait. Even if it was three months, I would just wait three months. I don't have a overwhelming desire to see it right now because we podcast about it. I will see it as soon as we need to for the podcast. But I'm like, okay, I've got other things to do with my time. I have other things to watch. I have other things to see. I'm behind on movies anyway. Yeah, I'm fine waiting. And if I'm going to see it on Disney Plus, because I have the subscription, why not just wait? I don't have a problem with that. I haven't seen too other than the Infinity War and Endgame. I haven't seen too much of a, oh, you're going to be totally spoiled on the overall art sort of thing. So yet again, right? So I'm fine waiting. Just me personally, just throwing that out there. I don't see the the problem of actually seeing it unless there's something that is just so mon- monumentous that I'm like, okay, I, I need to go see it. Like the end game that was okay. Everybody has two weeks, both infinity war and end game. The, the brothers, the Russo brothers came out and they said two weeks. But other than that, there's been no, no spoiler period basically on Marvel or anything else for that matter. Which is kind of annoying with streaming shows like Andor or whatever, but all right. Well, last thoughts about this Thor Love and Thunder. Chris, what do you got? I know that you hated the goats, but screaming goats in our world are completely real. And goats are what pulls Thor's chariot. So you got to have the goats. Plus, the curly horns were amazing. This is one where you. Turn off your brain, do something else while you hear it as one long Guns N' Roses music video. At least it's better than Dark World. It's fair. It's fair, although Dark World was made canon, you know, innumerably so by Endgame right there. Yeah, we got to have. <laughs> I think that was Feige's little jab back at the fan base right there. I hope this is not the last chapter we have with Thor. I know he's got more of uh, Chris Hemsworth has more contracts. So I just hope we have more story to tell and that it actually gets made. That's my concern that it doesn't get made. I hope it does get made. First of all, I don't just want to leave Jane Foster and Valhalla without some more explanation just because the way they cut it was so short. It was like, okay, well, she's in Valhalla. So is the Heimdall. Who else is there? And then, are they going to come back out? It's a comic book story. They're going to come back out. So I don't know what's going to happen there, but I'd like to see a better ending of the arc. I was going to say trilogy. Can't even say trilogy. It, and I don't even care if it's in Thor five, if it's in a Thor main named film, I just care to, to see the story. All right, next time, we are going to talk about Black Panther Wakanda Forever. I know many of you have already seen the movie. Some of our co-hosts have already seen the movie. I have not. I will be seeing it next week. I will say that I've been completely spoiled on it, and I am fine with that, and I am looking forward to watching it. So 
Hope you guys had fun watching it. If you have anything to say about it, let us know. We'll talk about it on the show. In the meantime, we have some huge news to talk about. Well, we have a Disney shakeup. Disney shocker, Bob Iger back as CEO, Bob Chapek out. Per deadline, Iger's initial successor, Bob Chapek, has stepped down as Disney CEO. Iger now returns to the position after less than one year of retirement. The Walt Disney Company has announced today that Robert A. Iger is returning to lead Disney as chief executive officer effective immediately. The company wrote in an official notice, Mr. Iger, who spent more than four decades at the company, including 15 years as its CEO, has agreed to serve as Disney's CEO for two years with a mandate from the board to set the strategic direction for renewed growth and to work closely with the board in developing a successor to lead the company at the completion of his term. Mr. Iger succeeds Bob Chepik, who has stepped down from his position. This is huge. This is huge because not only is it Marvel Studios, but all the other properties that Disney owns, the parks, Pixar, Star Wars, everything. This affects everything. A, a little bit of ABC, too, just because the interaction back and forth, but definitely Disney+. Plus. And I saw a tweet. I don't know the validity of it, but apparently... Bob Iger wanted everyone's script ideas, project summaries, everything like that, like immediately, like that was one o'clock in the morning. It's like, I, I think that's, was that a joke? Cause that was a lot. That was a joke. And it was based on what Elon did with Elon Musk did with Twitter. Ah, it was just a, Hey, everybody get your strict ideas to me because what Elon did and we're not going to talk about the political nature of everything here, but what Elon did recently is basically fired most of the company. And then what was left, he said, okay, everybody get your 10 lines of code, your most impactful 10 lines of code that you've ever done. Bring them to my office by midnight. If you're not in the area, fly here. I expect to see you by midnight. If it is completely impossible for you to get here, I will video teleconference with you, but I want you in here and I will be in my office until midnight. And so that was the joke was, Iger was going to do the same thing with scripts. Iger did not do the same thing with scripts. That, that was a whole joke. I'm glad it was a joke. Bob Chapik was there for, what, 11 months, right? And the board was so non-pleased with everything that he did. There was the whole Florida political thing that employees didn't think he stepped up enough on and continued to get major fingers pointed in his chest on. He did totally reverse that. He uh, issued an apology and he said, I will work to rectify this both within the company and try my best with the government on trying to change those stuffs. But also I think he was the unfortunate recipient of things are changing. I don't know if the pandemic is the major reason for them changing, but we just talked about it, whether or not we wanted to see movies in the theater or we were fine waiting them out. And even waiting them out has some issues, which we'll get to in a little bit. But the board was not pleased with the loss of revenue coming out of Disney, the dramatic loss of revenue coming out of Disney under Chappick's purview. 
And so they needed to make a radical step to try to right the ship before it got too bad. When you're talking a major corporation, not only is this the company that is trying to make money for itself, but the massive amounts of people that it employs would be dramatically affected if they had to start to downsize. I think they will. They'll have to start to downsize just like everybody else, but they want to minimize that for their own pocketbooks, but it does impact the people that work for them. So yeah, this, this was huge. So Chris, what was one of the issues that was there from Bob Chappick? I'd say maybe one of the biggest issues even as far as a business standpoint goes, because obviously the biggest issue is the Florida thing, but from a business standpoint, per the Wall Street Journal and people familiar with the matter, they were shown that Bob Chappick was messing with the books, calling things Disney originals, but then having them air on other networks first so that they weren't counted against Disney Plus, and Disney Plus wasn't shown to be losing as much money as it really was. Just the production meetings and marketing budgets and everything were completely off because of how Bob Chappick chose to run the books and you know producing something as a Disney original as a Disney Plus original and then having it air on the regular cable Disney Channel first or ABC or wherever else he did it so that he could say hey this 5 million dollars that number that I'm just pulling out of thin air here it's actually lost against the cable Disney Channel it's not lost against Disney Plus People don't like it when you hide the information so that they can make good decisions on how to run their business. Yeah, so this brings up some hardcore monetary issues of why things were the way they were. Apparently, this whole change to Bob Iger started like less, I I read something less than 48 hours before it was announced. Then there was also a big issue of why did you announce it on Sunday night? Why didn't you wait to announce it during the week or something like that? So this had all the appearances of somebody getting fired really quickly and wanting to correct things before the markets opened the next day. I mean, that's how bad this was. They didn't, maybe this report was going to hit the, some, I don't know, deadline of variety or something like that. And it was going to be huge and hit the stock of Disney pretty hard. And so they just wanted to take corrective action on it overnight, literally over the weekend is basically what happened here. Now, Bob Iger is not going to be there forever. He is getting older, first of all. Second of all, he wanted to step away to begin with and enjoy retirement. So his contract is only for two years, and his contract has in it the keynote about developing a successor, as Michelle said. So I don't know who they're going to get to replace him, but... It's got to be somebody with good business sense for the future because you are in a transitionary period. You are in a period where the parks might not get as many people into them. One, because it's expensive at all get out now with inflation. And and two, because people might be wanting to do other things and are the IPs as big as they were. I mean, there was the erroneous report, at least I didn't see it confirmed about what was the name of that Star Wars hotel? that costs like $6,000 a night to stay at because it's all immersive. 
There was reports that that was shutting down, but then that was deemed to be not true. I don't know. Maybe they were floating that and it got out just because they needed to start chop, uh, putting stuff on the chopping block to save money. Anyway, this is huge. And it will impact Marvel Studios. That's why we're talking about it. This is going to impact Marvel Studios of Bob Iger being in charge versus Bob Chapek. Remember the whole Black Widow thing that occurred. There was a lot of people in the industry that were throwing spears basically at Disney. How do you construct contracts? How do you construct your business plan going forward to try to make the most money for the company and yet take care of the people? Otherwise, people are not going to want to work with you sort of thing. Can I point out the last part where it says Chaffick had a lot riding on Disney Plus as he had promised investors that Disney's streaming division, which also includes Hulu and ESPN Plus, would be profitable by 2024. However, 164 million subscribers for Disney Plus, roughly two thirds of Netflix's current number, and 30 billion invested in content in 2022 alone haven't been enough to stop losses from increasing. For the last four quarters, overall, the streaming division has lost more than $8.5 billion since Disney Plus launched in 2019. And also take into account that when it launched in 2019, there was two things that were going on. There was if you owned a Verizon device, you got a free Disney Plus subscription for a year. Basically, Verizon paid for it, or maybe it was a, an exclusive deal that Verizon had with Disney Plus, or I, I don't know how the money flowed back and forth, but as a consumer, I know that I did not need to buy Disney Plus for a year because of that. Also, if you did buy Disney Plus that first year at the low price, as it was, what, six ninety nine a month or whatever, you could have bought it for two years and you got a third year free. This is important because we are coming up on the renewal for that right now. And there's probably a bunch of people that are like, I'm not going to pay for this anymore for whatever reason, the pandemic, the inflation, they just don't get out of it what they want out of it. They're getting their streaming through other means. Maybe they thought that ESPN was going to be rolled into the Disney plus. I don't know, but those are huge issues when you take into account that people's initial deal is running out and are they going to stay with it or not? It's huge. and. I don't think Chappick has anything he could do about it right now. He could start making announcements in the next week or two about what's going to be on Disney Plus, but you're not going to change what's in production for at least six to nine months. So you're not going to see changes in Disney Plus for a year over this. I know one thing that would help is to make their website a lot easier to use and to find things. Like the X-Men, the animated series from 1992? Yes. (laughs) Yep, lots of stuff going on, and it's going to affect Marvel Studios. I just don't know how it's going to affect it. It's going to affect future series. It's going to affect how movies are brought into Disney Plus because they want, in order for the company to be more profitable, are they going to keep it in the theaters longer? Are we going to talk 90-day exclusivities? Are we going to talk 120-day exclusivities? I don't know. We'll see. Well, we also have another news point. And I have a little bit of rant. This has been kind of a ranty SP cast, but I have a little bit of rant here. So there is a new story that was published in Comic Book Resources, and it said, speaking on the Happy, Sad, Confused podcast, Hemsworth, Chris Hemsworth, pointed out how the first two Thor movies were quite similar. 
Then the third and fourth films in the series, both directed by Taika Waititi, were also similar, albeit drastically different in tone from his first two outings. The actor explained that he has appreciated how he has been able to continuously reinvent the character, citing Avengers Infinity War and Avengers Endgame, as yet another unique chapter in his journey as Thor. Quote, I've said this before, but when it becomes too familiar, I think there's a risk in getting lazy, then, because I know what I'm doing. I don't know if I'm even invited back, but if I was, I think I would have to be drastically different tone, version and tone, everything. Just for my own sanity. Thor lost his mind that last one. He's got to figure it out now, unquote. While in the past, Hemsworth has claimed he would play Thor forever, he recently admitted that he thinks a fifth film would have to be his last. He acknowledged that much like Robert Downey Jr.'s Iron Man and Chris Evans' Captain America, a conclusion for Thor is inevitable. Quote, I feel like it probably warrants that. I feel like it'd probably be the finale. But that's not based on anything anyone's told me or any sort of plans. You have to give this birth of a hero, the journey of a hero, then the death of a hero. And I don't know, am I at that stage? Who knows? Unquote. All right, that came out this week. However, if you go back to when this movie came out, before this movie came back out in June, there were a couple of news stories out there already. There was a gamesradar.com, and even within cbr.com, there was another one. And it was all about his ability to go forward. I know that there was another one from Kevin Feige that I just didn't put in the show notes. There was a ton of news stories about, okay, where's this character? Where is he going to go next? If he gets a film, it'll probably be the last one, judging by all this news stories. But yeah, this is not new. It just came out this week. And it just so happened we were talking about Thor Love and Thunder. But that's my rant, is that this has been out for almost six months, five months, whatever. And then we're getting another news story on it like it's new. It's not. He said this before. Those exact things. It's like he was working on his talking points. And why is this even being reported? Because it's just recycled news, basically, at this point. But then there is also the other fact of, okay, how much more does Chris Hemsworth have in him? So, I don't know. What do you guys think about the recycled news? Like, okay, didn't we talk about this before? I don't think there's anything new in here. It gets clicks. It timed with the release of Thor on Disney Plus. So let's dig up something to get those clicks again. But Thor's been on Disney Plus for a while. This came out this week. Maybe they wanted to time it with the change in CEOs with Disney Plus. Yeah, maybe. CBR makes interesting choices. And I mean, despite knowing some people who write for some stuff for them over there, I mean, if you can get something published, you get paid. And there's always that angle of it. Okay. Editorial control, probably a little lax. Uh, Maybe they just needed to fill some space. Who knows? Yeah, I've seen a lot of sites like this start to go to AI, where they will look at the raw feeds coming in, and it will automatically create a news article or whatever. And then you just you look it over, and then you press submit. The Verge went to that. So this is not something that's just on the fringes. Some bigger corporations are starting to throw AI into their blogging, whether it's news or whatever. So yeah, 
don't know. Michelle, any thoughts? He's right. Thor needs to have a proper conclusion. This was not it. All right. I'm taking it like that. Well, what do you guys think we should do right now? I think we need to hook those goats up to a chariot and just let it get on out of here. Oh, it's another fun one this week. Thank you very much for sticking with us. We really appreciate you. We really appreciate all the comments in our Discord server, especially. Uh, Twitter is a little suspect. We don't know if we're going to be there or not. But for now, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. still has its Twitter account. I'd like to thank everyone for downloading, listening to us. We always appreciate it. We appreciate you for taking time out of your day to consume our product. And you can find me on Twitter. For now, at shell underscore Nate game. Despite Play Comics being in the Shadow Realm lately, I do have some new episodes ready to come out. We just have to see which ones they are. And no matter what happens with Twitter, you can always find a link, once I get it published later today, to everything social media-wise that Play Comics is on, because I have my own website, so I don't need Linktree. <laughs> And then also, I do have a Mastodon account, so if you're interested in that, just hit me up on whatever way you can hit me up on, and I will give you that link, because Mastodon's kind of weird. You have to know what server or instance it's called over on Mastodon, and yeah, I'm, I'm over there. I'm actually on the Universal Dawn server instance, so if you see a Stargate Pioneer, my branding, Stargate Pioneer on any of the other instances the one that's on universal dawn is me all right that's it for this time looking forward to black panther wakanda forever next time i'm sp i'm agent michelle and i'm agent chris see you guys bye bye thank you for listening if you want to leave us feedback, go to gunageek.com and you will find all our contact information and other shows. You can also visit legendsofshield.com where you'll find our complete archive of podcasts. The music heard on this podcast is by Kevin McLeod, found at incompetech.com and also artists on pond5.com and audiojungle.net. The opinions heard on this podcast are those of the individual hosts and do not represent Stargate Pioneer Productions, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., or Gunna Geek. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is the property of the Disney Corporation, Marvel Studios, and ABC. No infringement is intended. What about you, Chris? I didn't have to make a thing, which is great. Did Kaylee make a pie or a cake? Technically, the answer to that question is no. Okay. She made two pies that went with us and one pie that she decided was too ugly to bring with us. So <laughs> it stayed at our house. <laughs> Which you've been snacking on ever since. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> All right. I'm going to let a cat in here or he will cry. Oh, kitty. Oh, which one is that? 
This is Bodhi. He's the well-behaved one who's going to be quiet once I put him down. <laughs> you know that's not. Oh, hi, you know that's not going to work. Kitty. Oh, kitty. He just wants to sit on the futon and be away from Thor, who doesn't like him. Okay. <laughs> He's been in here for like the past three days, and just doesn't make a sound once he gets in here. Oh, so Thor can't make the podcast about. Thor. Thor is the core eater. There's no way he's coming uh. in here. Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is copyright 2013 through 2022.